We call it the Great Commission because it is truly a monumental task to go into all the world, to think that there are lost people all over this world that we bear some responsibility for. Whether you are young or whether you are old, if you are a Christian, you hear the words of Christ that lie at the entrance of His very appearance in this world. He came into this world to save our souls. And as He leaves this world, equipping us with the thing that can actually save a soul, His blood, He says, now this is your responsibility. Not only to be washed in the blood, but to share that blood with as many as who will listen. It is overwhelming at times. It's why we call it the Great Commission. Earlier this week on Facebook, there was a preacher friend of mine that was, he was doing some sermon research. Might be kind of dangerous doing your sermon research on Facebook, but, but it can be interesting every once in a while. And he just asked the question. He said, I want you to tell me, why do you not evangelize? He didn't define any terms or anything like that. He just asked the question, answer it however you want. Why do you not evangelize? Now, I thought it was interesting that he asked the question like that. Because he asked the question almost assuming that most of the people that he would be preaching to don't take the time to actually verbally share their faith. But you know, experience in life would tell me that that's probably a pretty safe assumption. Most people don't take the time to verbally share our faith. We talk about people, we pray about people, we try to impact people, but to sit down and and to say, let me tell you about Jesus Christ, it's becoming a rarer and a rarer thing. But yet, as I read passages like Deacon read for us in Matthew chapter 28, it seems to be something that was intended to be a regular part of the Christian life. That that's just what Christians do. That we talk to others about our faith. That we share our faith. Whether you want to talk about just the faith that we have in Christ that brings us hope and joy and peace. That changes everything. We've talked a little bit about that over the last couple Sundays, right? Or you want to talk about that faith that brought us to security in Christ. We're supposed to be people that talk about that with people who don't know that. But even more interesting was when I started reading what the people were responding. People just write anything on Facebook. You, 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 you learn that, right? And, and the comments are always dangerous on, on most stuff online. But, but I found it really interesting because there was a lot of stuff that I expected to see. Right? I mean, there were a lot of people that, listen, it's just scary. I, I, I'm, just, I'm just intimidated by it, right? I mean, I, I think that probably fits a, a good chunk of, of the reason for why we're not more evangelistic. I, I, I don't think that anybody's going to walk away from the sermon this morning and say, hey, man, I mean, until Wes got up there and preached that sermon, I never even thought about sharing my faith. What a novel idea, right? That, that chance, you're probably not going to walk away with that comment, right? 
We, we, we know what we're supposed to do. We've read the Great Commission, right? We've read the book of Acts. We've heard sermon after sermon about this being a part of the Christian life. But that, that was a good chunk of what was there. Just, I'm just intimidated by it, if I could sum it up. But, but it was something that went beyond that that I found in, in a good number of the comments was just really bad theology. Like people were not just saying, I'm scared to share my faith. They were answering, and these are, some of them I knew where they worshipped, and, and I know a little bit about who they are, but, but they, were, they, they, they were people that I would think would, would give better answers than they gave, that, but they were biblically justifying why they're not evangelistic. They were trying to explain with the Bible why I'm not sitting down to share my faith with someone else. And, and the only thing that I just kept coming back to in my mind is, boy, that's really bad theology. Because at the center of several comments was a lack of feeling, a lack of comprehension that people are lost not just feeling that way, not just acting like we don't believe people are lost, but trying to argue from a biblical point of view that people aren't really lost. Therefore, it would be inappropriate for us to actually impose or to share this belief in salvation with them. Now, if that sounds really funny to you, Good, that means that we're probably doing our job to, to, to some degree in this pulpit and in our Bible classes because that's really bad theology. That's not what the Bible teaches. As a matter of fact, what, what the Bible teaches, and, and you know this, that, that this, as a matter of fact, it's been one of, our, one of our marks of a healthy church, is that we are to be grounded in the gospel, right? And, and, and the gospel is this message that finds its introduction in, 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 in through the sinfulness of mankind. That all of mankind has a sin problem. That because of the sin that we bring into our own lives, we stand guilty before our holy, benevolent God. But that God, out of His grace and out of His mercy, has sent His Son to live in this earth and to die and to shed His blood in our place. That substitutionary atonement that, that, that we talk about, right? And it is with His blood that our sins are washed away so that we might be reunited with the Father. And we not only are to be washed in that blood, but we are to live our lives in that blood, walking in His life. And not only are we to live our lives that way, we are to share that message with as many people as we can. If I wanted to put the gospel in a nutshell, that would be it. But, but that's, that's my story. Guys, that's everybody's story. But when I fail to appreciate that, then I will never share my faith. When I fail to appreciate the truth of the gospel in my life, or in every man's life, I will never share my faith. Because for me to go and say, I want to talk to you about your life, listen, that's a big step to take. That takes a whole lot of conviction. But yet we read, we read of a commission that Jesus Christ came into this world to seek and to save the lost, which are innumerable. All would be the end of that number. We are the ones who are to share our faith with them. I want us to talk this morning about what it means to be a voice for God. 
You know, in two weeks, we're supposed to have our, our friends and family day, and I hope that you've been inviting. There are some little invites that are out uh, in, in the foyer, and you can pick up as many of those as you want, whether you are young or whether you are old, and invite people to come and, and be together with us on that day. But, 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 but we look at this, this theology that, that says, you know, we, we don't need, really need to bother people with, with this idea of sin. And I suppose some of it comes from seeing people do this poorly, right? Have we ever seen people confront sin in a poor manner? You ever seen that? Maybe the most prominent uh, picture I've ever seen of that. Um, I've seen the, these folks, what are they called? The uh, Westboro Baptist people who will go to the, go to the, funeral, the funerals of our fallen uh, military uh, people that, that have passed away in the line of duty, right? And they'll hold up these signs. And, and by the way, a lot of their signs have a lot of truth on them, right? There'll be Bible verses on them or condemnation of sin on them, but, but they're doing it poorly, okay? They're doing it poorly. Why, why do I say that? Well, because, because Jesus is in the saving business, and if Jesus is in the saving business, then we're supposed to be in the saving business. And we have to remember that, even as we confront sin, right? I'm not, I'm not trying to confront sin just so that you'll know that I think that you're wrong. What a pointless and arrogant activity that would be. Jesus confronts sin, we confront sin, because we're talking about the salvation of mankind. And we cannot lose sight of that. John 3 and verse 16. You can turn there in your Bibles because I want us to look at, at, at a few of the verses that, that surround this. I know you know verse 16, but, but it's, the, it's the verses that come, that come afterwards that I think have a lot to do with our mentality towards actually sharing a message with the world from God. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You could fit everything that we talked about when we talked about being grounded in the gospel somewhere into that statement. That God loves us and that He sacrificed for us. If we would believe in Him, we will not perish, but we will have everlasting life. But you know, even as innocuous as that statement may be intended, there are some people that just don't like you to say anything about Jesus. Isn't that the case? You, you know, we, we, we've seen even in our, in our own community over the last few months um, something, as, something as simple as praying before a football game. I know a lot of you have had a lot to say about that and, and some, of the, you know, some of the things that have gone on. And most, if you don't know, there was an objection to praying before the Lowndes High School fo football games. And you know, there was this, well, maybe we won't do it. Maybe we will do it. And they finally said that they will do it. Probably not the end of the story, but, but it's a good resolution. But, but you know, before that came up on the news and people were posting things about it and things like that, I, I never once sat at a football game and thought, this is the most controversial thing that any Christian's ever done. We've prayed for the safety of our athletes. I mean, it's, it's, I'm just saying it's pretty much nothing. I'm saying that we typically give more attention to the national anthem than we do the prayer or whatever you want to call it before a football game. Is, is that true? Is that, I, I'll say it is for me, okay? And I'm the preacher. 
So people are getting upset about that. And what they're getting upset about is not that you're having a prayer before a football game. They're having a prayer that you would suggest the idea that there is a higher power who might, who might in some way, some shape, form, or fashion hold mankind accountable for anything. How dare you even bring up his name? That's, that's the culture that we live in now. You, you don't even need to bring up the name of Christ. So even, even putting John 3.16 on your eye black is a controversial act. It seems rather foolish, but that's the world we live in, right? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. It is as if people are getting upset that somebody called up and said, Hey, I have left you a fortune. Who would get upset about that? Except for the one who would be upset about the idea that that they don't already own that fortune. So people don't want any mention of Christ. Don't talk to me about the Bible. Don't talk to me about holiness and righteousness. Don't talk to me about Jesus. I don't want to hear that. I certainly don't want to hear that in any sort of a public way. Jesus clarifies that that if, if you think that preaching the gospel is a great imposition upon your life, If you think that preaching the gospel is imposing on someone else's life, then you don't understand the nature of the gospel. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. God wasn't sitting back looking at the sin of the world, saying, I'm going to send my Son down there to condemn them. Man was already condemned. Man is already condemned. If Jesus, the Son of God, had never lowered Himself, had never become that sacrifice that we read about in Philippians chapter 2, if He had never decided to put on flesh and come in that manger, if He had never decided to have people spit upon Him and crucify Him and mock Him, if He had never decided to die for the sin of the world, if you had never even heard his name, you would be condemned. Not because of him, but because of our own sin. He didn't send the Son into the world to condemn the world. The world's condemned whether Jesus comes or not. He came to save the world. That's the urgency. That's the urgency that we have to understand. If I don't believe that someone is really lost, why am I going to, why am I going to risk my relationship? Healthy churches are full of people who are, who are, who are involved in sacrificial service, right? But, but that doesn't just mean that, that, that I'm going to go pick up trash on a roadside somewhere. It might mean that. It doesn't just mean that I'm, that I'm going to just go wash somebody's feet. I might do that. Listen, I'm not involved in evangelism because it might cost me a relationship. But healthy churches are filled with people who are willing to risk their relationships, who are willing to risk the friendships and the family relationships they have in order to talk about really important things. I will never do that if I don't believe someone is lost. I will never, I don't want to be that person. You ever, you ever, you know, there's some people, they like to give uh, unsolicited medical advice. I'm not going to give you medical advice. 
Unless I think that you hearing that is going to make a difference in you living and dying. Jesus was sent into the world so that the world might be saved. I've got to remember that. Jesus was in the saving business. We are in the saving business. Yes, that means that we're going to have to talk about sin, but only as a means to talk about salvation. I could preach about every evil that exists in the world today. It would be a long sermon, wouldn't it? Some of you are saying, please don't do that. Please don't do that. Okay. I'm not going to do that. But if we preached on every sin that exists in the world today, and I didn't bring you to Christ, I've not completed the gospel. If, if I leave you condemned at the end of the lesson, you don't, you've not heard the gospel. You haven't heard the good news. Jesus came to save the world He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. We must understand that salvation is in Christ and that there is a problem, there is a sickness, there is is a disease, there is a plague that impacts every single one of us. uh, Romans 3 and verse 23 Right? We talked about this on Wednesday night. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's you. That's me. That's my sweet mother and your sweet mother who has a sin problem. Jesus comes to save us from that. You know, sometimes people look at the church and they say, man, why, why are you always bringing up all, the, all, these, all these things? People talk about those who would, who, would, who would speak out against sin and the evils of our world. You know, how come you keep talking about the LGBTQ movement? Why, 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 do, you, why do you keep talking about adultery? Why do you keep talking about, about greed? Or why do you keep talking about social drinking? Why, why do you keep bringing up pride? And over and over, my response to that, and I think, I think it's the response that comes from God, is I'm not bringing it up. I don't like talking about that. In what world would, it, would I ever think that would be, be a fun thing to talk about? To be quite honest, I'm pretty tired about talking about all those things. I really am. If I never had to talk about LGBTQ+, plus again, I'd, I'd, be, I'd be fine with that. I'm only responding to things that keep being put in front of me. People keep being unfaithful to their spouse. People keep going out and doing things because of alcohol that they ought not do. People keep being filled with themselves instead of being self-sacrificing. So I'm not bringing it up. The world's bringing it up. Sometimes even the church is bringing it up. That's what Christ is saying. You you think I'm here to condemn you. I'm here to condemn you. you. You condemn yourself because of your sin. I'm here to try to save you. I'm here to try to show you a better way. And that way is Christ. We need to get to Christ. He who believes in Him is not condemned. You you read the passage. It's not just mental assent to Christ. Okay, It's not just, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus. Listen, in our culture, almost everybody believes in Jesus. People doing the most heinous of things believe in, in Jesus. But it's that belief that actually changes our life. It's that belief that leads to obedience. The answer is Christ. 
we need to get to Christ, and we need to get everyone who is not in Christ, we need to get them to Christ also. So there are people that you know who have never confessed Jesus Christ. Healthy churches share the gospel with those people. We don't just put our arm around them and say, it's wonderful to have you, and, and you know, maybe we could spend some time together and get to know each other. We do all that, but we share, we share the faith. Let me tell you about the most pressing thing going on in your life. With those who have never repented of their sins. Are there many people who have never repented of sin in their life? Oh, you better believe it. You better believe it. I want to share the gospel with you. Not, not because I'm trying to get up in your business. I'm not trying to, to, to you know, get into all the, the meddling parts of your life. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to share with you the same message that saved me before I repented. There are many people who have never been baptized into Christ. Romans 6 and verse 3, right? We're baptized into Christ. We're baptized into His death. Why, why do we have to make, a big, why do we, why do we have to make a, such a big deal about baptism? There are a lot of people who have never been immersed to have their sins washed away. And I just have this problem that the Bible always connects that to the removal of sin. I'm not doing theological acrobatics to get to that point. I'm not saying, okay, listen to me for the next three weeks and maybe, maybe you'll agree. Over and over, it's always connected to sin. It's always connected to the removal. So when somebody says, I've never done that, well, you're not in Christ. I, I didn't make that up. I'm just saying that, that that's, that's what we see in the New Testament. Those not walking in the light. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. Healthy churches are sharing the faith, shining light into a world of darkness. It ought not surprise us when people recoil at the light. It's this lie that the devil tells us that people are going to love us for preaching the gospel. They may eventually love us if they respond to it, if they're changed by it, but if they're not, they're going to hate it. That's what happened when Jesus preached, and I'm thinking I can't do any better than that. I'm not saying that I dismiss this idea that, that, well, you know, I'm just going to be a jerk about it. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about how, how the world recoils at the light. You ever, you, ever, you ever been sleeping real good, right? And, you're, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's early in the morning, and all of a sudden your husband comes over and he just turns the light on. Doreen, yeah, Doreen's got the look. She's like, he better not, right? I saw that look on her face. I mean, we, we've all been there, right? What? Oh, man, what are you doing? That's what happens when you shine light into darkness. Now, we adjust and we get over that, right? But if I don't adjust, then I'm constantly in that state of shock. Men love darkness rather than the light. My job is to share the faith. It's to go into all the world. It's to teach. It's to make disciples. It's to plant the seed. This is so liberating. I can't make someone obey the gospel. I can't. Sometimes I get frustrated because, because of a lack of results. I mean, I look at certain people or certain situations and say, how many times am I going to preach this? How many times are we going to talk about this? Listen, whether you respond to the gospel or not, that's, that's up to you. Whether I share the gospel 
That's up to me. I can control me. I can't control you. My experience, listen, if you really want me to, I'll beg, but I don't think it'll do much good. Because if you won't respond to the gospel, if you won't respond to the truth, then me begging isn't going to change anything. There are some of you in this room right now who have never obeyed the gospel. It is not because you haven't heard it. It is not because people haven't haven't cared for you. It is not because people don't pray for you daily. You just have never obeyed the gospel. You just have never repented of your sins. You have never confessed Christ. You have never been immersed into Christ. You have never walked in His light. Because you have chosen to not do that. Now the good news is, you can choose to do that this very day. That's the reality. No matter who you are or where you are. That's good news, right? Especially when I struggle and I fall. That's good news. We have to share it. That's what healthy churches do. We don't take the gospel and say, we got this and now we're going to keep it all to ourselves. How sick is that? Wouldn't that be sick? Wouldn't that be sick? I mean, if there was somebody in this room who had the cure for cancer and they didn't share it with anybody, I'm talking about something a lot worse than cancer. I'm not trying to downplay what cancer is. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to play up what our salvation in Christ is. If somebody had the cure for cancer and they didn't share it with you as you went to treatments every day, as you watched the person you love pass away, how sick would that be? I'm telling you, there are lots of churches that don't, they don't, share, they don't share the faith. We just don't talk about it. I don't want to be like that. Healthy churches share the gospel. We have conversations about the gospel. You can look in your Bibles at the book of Acts. Do you know that every single conversion, every single example of someone being converted, going from being outside of Christ to being inside of Christ, that's what a conversion is, right? I was outside of Christ, now I'm in. Every single example of that is found in the book of Acts. And I put just a few of them on, on, the, on, the, on the screen behind me. Some of the major ones, there's some minor ones you might want to add, but my font size was getting too small. So we just, we just stuck with the major ones, right? 3,000 people in Acts 2. The, the Samaritans in Acts 8. The Ethiopian eunuch in Acts 8. Uh, the conversion of Saul. The conversion of Cornelius. Uh, Lydia, the Philippian jailer. Uh, Apollos. John's disciples. Do you know something that every single one of those conversion stories has in common? Now, we all have conversion stories, right? Don't we? Sometimes we try to downplay those things. I think we ought to upplay, uh, upplay those things. Is that a word? And, and we ought to share them some more. I truly believe that. But, but we all have conversion stories. And they're all just a little bit different, right? You think about the person that, that shared the gospel with you. You think about where you were sitting and, 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 and what happened on that day. And I mean, I could tell you about the Shady Acres Church of Christ and, and Pat Hogan was preaching. I remember the words that he said. I remember the conversation I had with my mother that day, everything leading. I, I remember all that. For the life of me, I can't remember the date, but I want to research that sometime and find it out. But, but anyways, that's not your story, right? You got your own. Every one of these is different. I mean, you got, you know, 
tongues of fire in Acts 2, and we got, you know, riding along reading Isaiah in and, and, and Acts 8. I wonder how many people are converted after reading Isaiah. But you got, you know, you got Cornelius and Lydia, the Philippian jailer in this earthquake, all these things that are going on there. Do you know the one thing that they all have in common? In every single example of conversion that we have in the New Testament, God sent a man to speak to them on his behalf. Every single time. Even in those instances where God had a role to play. Even in those interesting, like in Acts 2, when there were tongues of fire above their heads. What in the world did that look like? Even in, even in Acts 9, where, where Saul sees you know, this light on the road to Damascus. He still sends Peter in Acts 2, right? He still, he, he, he still, he, he, he still sends Saul to Ananias' house in, in Acts 9. Even Cornelius and the visions that are there, he still sends Philip every single time. Because that's how God shares his message of the gospel. That's how his faith is to be shared. Now, you may say, I don't know why he does it that way. I don't know the answer to that either. I just know that he does. Now, I can speculate, and you probably could too, but, but, but that's what he does. What, what, Paul says, what Paul says there in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 about we have this treasure, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. What's he talking about? He's not talking, not talking, not, nah, not talking about a lot of money. This treasure of the gospel, this message that changes people's lives, this message that changes people's eternities, we have that inside of us to share I was studying with a man, uh, this was in Jamaica several years ago, and, and he told me about his conversion experience and how he said that God spoke to him and revealed to him the things that he needed to do. He was very sincere, okay, about what he was saying. And I just asked him, I said, does it concern you at all that what you describe when you tell me about your conversion, that you're describing something that I can find no New Testament parallel to? I can't find anything in the Bible that looks like what you're telling me about how you were converted. Does that concern you at all? Well, he said, yeah, yeah, that, that, that does concern me a little bit. He'd never thought about it. Then I asked him, I said, well, does it bother you that what you're telling me that God told you to do not only do I not find anything or anyone being told to do that in the New Testament, I see people being told the exact opposite of that. He said, yeah, that, that does concern me just a little bit. I said, have you ever considered that, that whatever spirit it was that spoke to you was not the spirit of God? And it was like a light bulb went off in this man's head. Listen, if that's going to happen, if people are going to be converted... We are the ones who are going to have to take that message to them. We are the ones who are going to have to be the voice of God. God's not going to rip the roof off your house and, and, say, and say, Doug, you listening? There, there are times I wish God would, right? I mean, I, I, I say that almost like Job says he wants an audience with God. I don't really want that. But there are times as I'm frustrated with myself, I think it'd be just a lot easier if God would come down and smack me on the hands every time I started to do something I ought not do. He didn't do it. You don't want to obey the gospel? The world doesn't want to obey the gospel? They don't have to. But he's going to share it with you. He's going to die for you. And he says, church, 
that's what I'm putting you in this world for. I'm not putting you in this world just to exist. I'm putting you in this world so that you might share this message. Go to Acts 4. We'll close by looking at Acts 4. You know the beginning of the church, right? And the spread of the gospel almost everywhere. Well, Peter and John are going forth and... And the Sanhedrin arrest them, right? The same people that, that just crucified their, their, their leader. And, and we see what, what in Acts, 8, Acts 4, verses 8 through 12. The rulers of the people and the, of the elders of Israel said to them, no, this is what Peter and John said, said to the rulers, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, then let it be known to you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no name, other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. They'd been out there preaching and teaching and even healing. And they said, you want to know? You want to know what the source of our message is? The source is Jesus Christ because there is salvation in him and in him alone. No other way among men by which someone can be saved. That's the good news, right? They didn't want to hear it. Even in the face of a miracle, they didn't want to hear it. So the Bible says that they threatened them. And they said, if you keep speaking about this Jesus, we're going to do the same thing to you that we did to Jesus. There's that classic verse in chapter 4 and verse 19. When they look at, their lead, at the leaders and they say, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more, more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Hey, we're going to keep on preaching this message. And so finally, because of fear of the people, they were released and they go back to be with the brethren. And there's this beautiful picture of the church coming together and they're praying for strength and they're praying for boldness. And listen to what they said in Acts 4 and verse 29. Lord, look upon their threats. And grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. You want something to pray for? Pray that God would give us the boldness to speak His word. To share the message that has been shared with us. To share the gospel, the good news, the faith that has been shared with us. Guys, that, that, that's not to put a guilt trip on everybody. It's one of those subjects I think you can guilt trip all day about because, because just of where we tend to live our lives. May we see the privilege and the opportunity. I want us to feel the burden. But may we see the privilege to be a spokesman of God. I want to share something with you that can change your life. You ever have friends that sell stuff? Anybody? Don't look at anybody. Just look straight ahead. Right? All, I mean, we've all got friends that sell stuff. They, I, had a, I had a preaching buddy of mine, and he sold, what's that stuff called? 
Tahitian noni juice. Anybody sell that? There's lots of, lots of juices people sell. It's supposed to be a cure for everything, right? Make you so healthy. Change your life. You'll lose weight. You can eat a, a pie every day and you'll still lose weight. I mean, it was just a miracle thing. Tahitian noni juice. I didn't want any Tahitian noni juice, okay? That, that just wasn't going to do it for me. But he wanted to share it because it made a difference in his life. I'm a big believer in a lot of that stuff. It'll make a, it'll make a difference because you start paying attention more. You start spending so much on a bottle of drink every day, you'll pay attention to what you're eating. But another lesson for another time. But, but this idea, listen, I'm not, I'm not out there peddling Tahitian noni juice. I'm not. I'm out there trying to share. I'm out there trying to give away the gospel. Is that dangerous? Yeah, I might have to sacrifice to do that. Jesus had to die to do that, by the way. I might have to sacrifice, but, but I'd say, I'm going to do that. I, I, might have to, I might have to delve into some deep matters of faith and doctrine, but, but I'm going to do that because, because it's about saving souls. I might have to lead the way when no one else wants to do this, right? Nobody else wants, wants, to, wants to invite. Nobody else wants to share. I'm going to do that because that's what healthy churches do. We're going to share the faith because as we'll talk about very soon, because you know what I want us to be? I want us to be brethren. I want us to be brothers in Christ. No matter who you are, where you are, what's going on in your life, what you're struggling with right now, I want us to be brothers in Christ. But the only way we become brethren, well, we become brethren through His blood. Jesus said in Matthew 12 and verse 34, and he said it in a negative way, but, but I think the, the reverse is also true. Matthew 4 and verse 34, For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I'm just asking, what's our heart full of? Is our heart full of the gospel? Do we think about these things? Do we dwell upon these things, even as they relate to ourselves? And I'm saying that if our heart is full of the gospel... We're going to be talking about it. We're going to be talking about our faith. We're going to talk, be talking about the hope that is within us, right? Always be, always be ready to give, a, to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is within you. I'm going to be somebody talking about, listen, I know the world's, the world's going downhill quick, but let me tell you why I've got peace. Let me tell you why I've got hope. Yeah, i got problems in my family too, but it's going to be okay. Let me tell you about my Savior. Yeah, I know all about sin. You think I don't, but I know all about sin. Well, let me tell you about my Savior. See, if our heart's full of that, if our heart's full of that, it'll come out our mouth. I guarantee you it'll come out our mouth. Let's fill our hearts. Let's fill our hearts with the gospel and share that gospel, share that faith with everyone that we meet. For the Friends and Family Day in two weeks, wonderful. But beyond that, every day of our life, I want to be the person that people look at and say, if you know them, then you know something about Christ. Because they're going to tell you, and they're going to show you. Friends, if you are here this morning and you have not, and you have not obeyed the gospel, 
If you're here this morning, you've never confessed Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and there is sin in your life that you've never repented of. If you're here this morning and you have never been immersed into that watery grave. If you've never been born again. If you're here this morning and sin has just crept back into your life. That same invitation that we're talking about offering to the world. The good news is he offers it to you and me every single day. Including this one. You respond to him as we stand and as we sing.